0: now my brief is to speak about the state of the nation and the remedy. I have divided it up into four points, really. The state of the nation, how bad it has become. The state of the church, how bad that has become. The the reason why this has come about in both instances, and the only remedy, and I mean the only remedy for what has happened. It was Cowper, I think, who coined the phrase. He certainly wrote a poem about the state of the nation, as goes the church, so goes the nation. I'll just read two lines. When nations perish in their sins tis in the church the leprosy begins and we certainly shall see that as we go on but how bad has the nation become a sinkhole of iniquity it is as the prophet said from the top of the head to the sole of the foot the body politic and the nation at large is full of wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. See, the Bible uses very vivid language to properly describe what has happened to the nation and to the individuals in the nation. I don't have to tell you, at least I shouldn't have to tell you, what has gone on in more recent times with the legislation allowing that which God calls an abomination uh, to be on the statute book, and the ongoing attempt to, and all too successful, to corrupt the minds of the young. I saw something on an email yesterday for an organization called Voice for Justice, how the Department of Education is determined to enforce the teaching of <coughs> wickedness to children and to intimidate and persecute even and prosecute those parents who withdraw their children from such teachings. It was the Jesuits who said, Give me a child to the age of seven, and I'll show you the man. And these people who are intent on turning the nation over to wickedness and destroying Christianity in the nation, they have adopted the same scheme. For a child at that age is very susceptible to what they hear. And generally speaking, they will trust adults. Whereas, of course, these people are wicked and evil who wish to indoctrinate them and pervert their mindset. Now, this has not come about somehow by accident. There is a reason for it. On the one hand, there is the decline and apostasy in the church in general, by the church, I mean those who would call themselves evangelical. (laughs) And on the other hand, there is an organization, or was, and still is active in other guises, who planned this way back in the 1920s, called the Frankfurt School. And this is their headings. The creation of racism offenses. Well, of course, racism is a sin. Absolutely it is. But what they've cleverly done is equate that which is wrong, racism, with that which is right, opposing moral decline and wickedness. Continual change to create confusion. You know, in the education system, for instance, it's all changed (laughs) in the teacher's Complaining, there's some here actually, who you know that they're only getting settled into one sort of system and something else is brought in, and on it goes. The teaching of sex and homosexuality to children that's happening right now, the undermining of schools and teachers' authority, (coughs) huge emigration to destroy identity, the promotion of excessive drinking. Emptying of the churches, an unreliable legal system with bias against victims of crime, dependency on the state for benefits, control and dumbing down of media, encouraging the breakdown of the family. And the reasoning behind this was that you could not destroy a capitalist nation where people were generally fairly well off, workers were reasonably well paid, they were not likely to take up arms against the state authorities and therefore you must use some other means to bring about the downfall of capitalist societies with the intention of establishing secularism or communism in its place. And uh, it was, it's come to be known, known as cultural Marxism. And what they understood was this: that the only organization who really stood in the way of cultural Marxism taking over was the church. That is the true church. There was a man, an Italian called Gransky, a member of Comitern, communist organization, who understood this very well, and he spoke about marching through all the institutions of the state, not by force of arms, but by undermining moral values ...biblical values and so on... ...promoting the sterilization, abortion, euthanasia, contraception and so on... ...and also with the intention of destroying the institution of marriage. And he said, we will march through the institutions without firing a shot... Is that not exactly what has happened? Uh, If you, like me, I'm amazed about the fact that all departments, education, medical, political establishment, of course, the legal establishment, have all seemed to roll over and accept. The laws, as it were, are the lawlessness of New Sodom. It's amazing. And they're promoting it at every turn. Now, one of the things you will notice here, as I said, that they wanted to get at the children. Hitler Youth. Comissor in Russia. Red flag in China. Get the children's minds, pollute them. When they grow up, they'll be rebellious, immoral. When they get into power, they'll take no prisoners. I remember my father reading from the Sunday School Times many years ago, the Canadian publication, when the communists took over in China, they removed the children from their parents and brainwashed them for six months their parents were imprisoned and then they brought the children back after six months and had their parents kneel down in front of them they gave the children revolvers and promised them they could have the red flag of their youth movement or the red scarf rather of their youth movement to the first one who killed their own parents and the command was given they all rushed forward to do so we might think this wouldn't happen here but it is happening in another sense because we who witness the gay pride events have noticed in recent years the young numbers are increasing and they're getting ever younger and also it seems to be the majority are young girls like 65% maybe even more and in fact it was one of the uh, aims of the cultural Marxism to destroy the morals of women and children. And we have noticed that it is women who seem to be defending these homosexuals more than men. I can tell you now, because I work amongst ordinary men, most of them don't like it. Of course, they're sinners themselves that but they're afraid to speak out. But I can tell you they don't like it, only they would condemn it in language we would never use. But women, oh, they're so kind, they're so nice. I said to them, you pull them up on what they do, you'll soon find out how nice they are. The problem is, with the nation, it's gone into a morass of corruption. There's no point in being going on and on and detailing it, we know it. And that's the reason why we're in the mess we're in. Crime-ridden. I mean, people don't go to jail now for half the things they used to do. Crime-solving is at an all-time low. Punishment is more like rewarding for crime. We know in the capital city, the knife crime, etc., and it's not only that, there... I read in one of the papers that over 50% of adults are on antidepressants. I don't blame them, really. If I was not a Christian, I think I'd be depressed. Drug addiction is on the increase, and as you know, they're using young children as mules to take it out into the towns and villages. I could go on and on. The nation is in a mess, but it has been organized and guided and directed from sinister forces, and this is not, you know, uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories or rather, I could read a whole lot to you of people who have said what their intentions were, where, and that's exactly what is happening. But who is behind it? Of course, Satan is behind it, and Satan chose the time. You see, God uses people, doesn't he? I'm always reminded of uh, the song of Deborah after the defeat of Caesarea in Judges. And she said this under the inspiration of God curse ye Maroz. Yea said the angel curse ye Maroz bitterly who came not to the help of the Lord in the day of battle. Now God doesn't need help but he has so ordained it that it is through his people that he does what he does in the preaching of his word, in witnessing to his word, in living according to his word, and so on. But you see, the evil one knew the real state of the church when it was not as obvious as it is now. I've been reading a lot of A.W. Pink lately, and he in his day, in the 30s and 40s, was bemoaning the state of the church then, but what he was saying is absolutely (laughs) evident now, which up to the 60s was sort of covert and wasn't recognized as such. But Satan knew the real state of spirituality in the church. He knew the time to strike. So through his emissaries, these organizations then began to promulgate their wicked intentions. The education establishment especially has for many years, even before the war, been full of left-wingers and communists. I did read something not that long ago that in the 1970s, I think it was, somebody remarked that in the colleges and universities of america there were more marxist professors than in russia i read more recently that over 90 percent of college lectures and professors are left-wingers so therefore they're all for cultural marxism and they wish to destroy christianity because that is the only defense against the triumph of wickedness. No doubt you've heard Edmund Beck's statement many a time, but I'll repeat it again. All that it needs for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The only good men are the true Christians, and women, of course. And he also said something else very pertinent. He said, they be most deceived... Who, because they can do but little, do nothing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Everybody can do something. We're not all preachers, we're not all teachers, but we all can do something. And so what has happened is this. I mean, in the article I hear, which I have here, which I got from Anglican Mainstream, actually, they said the Christians ran away at the first shots were fired. Most Christians didn't even go up to the front line. They never heard the shot fired, if you know what I mean. And the reason for the success of this cultural Marxism, which has polluted the nation and brought it to the situation that it is in, is because the church has failed to speak up, to stand up, and to speak out. Now, I'm not going any further into what's happening in the nation because if you're not aware of it, uh, you're needed to it, be a lot of evangelics or not because their heads are that deep in the sand. They hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. They certainly don't speak any good, that's for sure. We have become a sass There's no doubt about it. I mean, you think to yourself, it can't get worse, and It does. You know now there's people who want to be addressed as they. There's a hundred different definitions of sexual orientation. Uh, A a, a person I knew, Dr. McArest, you probably know about in the news, who refused to address a transgender person by their new identity, lost his job and the court was found against him. Transgender rights, Trump Christian rights. Hopefully when it goes to a higher court, that will be overturned. But the establishment is against us. There's no doubt about that, because they've been polluted in the universities, especially. You see, as I've often said in regard to the church, to our folk, I say, look, heresy never goes from the pulpit, sorry, from the pew to the pulpit. It always goes the other way, doesn't it? from the pulpit to the pew but how did they get into the pulpit the seminaries Mm. the devil's not a fool he sows his error at the head of the stream and then the poison is carried on the way down into the pews and in the end the Bible's trash and people say well what's the point (laughs) it's all a fairy tale and a myth and etc and so well eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we die And when we hear it later on about evolution, that's all part of the process. Now the church, how has it become what it has become? Well, it's just history repeating itself. The greatest falling away to date in church history was the early church falling away when it became the religion of the Roman Empire and was gradually and systematically compromised demonized even in sense of demonic control and it became the church of rome who when they were in complete control the history is called the dark ages the true christians were persecuted There were very few they lived in remote areas And all seemed lost. I'll leave that there because I'm going to come back to that. The fact is, when the church becomes corrupted, compromised, then the nation follows on. It's the church first friends and then the nation, not the other way around the church is supposed to be the salt and light in the nation when the light isn't shining and the salt isn't being applied the inevitable result is corruption we have an example of that Moses went up the mountain to receive the law from God and further revelations he wasn't long gone was he before they were worshipping an idol. And who sort of masterminded the making of the idol? No one, neither than Aaron. And what were they doing when Moses came down from the mountain? They were misbehaving in an immoral fashion, as quickly as that. Romans 1, you see, with Romans 1 in a very short period of time. And this is always the consequence when Christianity loses its way the nation loses its way because you see you can't expect unconverted men and women to behave in a godly fashion when the Bible says about the heart of man is true deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and if God's grace does not intervene that desperate wickedness will manifest itself and that's exactly what's happening today now this is a Methodist church and of course John Wesley is rightly honoured as he ought to be but there's a Methodist church in Chester founded on the spot where John Wesley preached has a woman minister, who in the the latest gay pride march, so-called, was holding a placard saying, this is the gay that the Lord has made. They were carrying a cross, and I'm not one for crosses anyway, I don't. I suppose it's, it's uh, inbuilt anti-Romanism in me because they saw the, it crosses with Rome and so on. Well, a cross is the known symbol of Christianity. They were carrying a cross decked out in the Sodomite rainbow colors. You can go on the website and you'll find out they, they they have a special fundraising event, I didn't know about this, for Stonewall in the uh, August. They have an open table, they call it, the rainbow flags on the table and it's almost laid out like an occult situation but that's just one example the uh, the United Reformed Church which I call the Benighted Deformed Church is similar and of course we have an Archbishop who's a total disaster now But for the African bishops, the Church of England would have long ago keeled over to the New Sodom agenda, because they remembered the old teaching of the Church Missionary Society and the old standards. And this carry on is happening all over the country. That may be an extreme example. But it certainly is happening. There's something also people, ministers going around, non-conformist and established, saying that they are homosexual <coughs> but not practicing homosexuals. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you entertain those thoughts in your mind, I say entertain them, then as Christ said, you've in reality committed the sin. <coughs> there are all these different movements at work now if we go back to the age of uh, Elizabethan age then the Cromwellian age, the Puritan age and then when Charles II came back to the throne the 2000 of the godliest ministers were rejected from the church because they wouldn't conform to what they saw as a Romanizing tendency, and wicked, unconverted men and women, men, sorry, were in their place. And the result was that within 50 years, this nation was totally corrupted. Why? Because the church was corrupted. Why? Because ungodly men were in the pulpit. That's always what happens. It's the same over and over and over again. Then there was that great move of God, the great awakening. Great battles were fought. We know the established churches were against them, persecuted, stirred up the mobs and so on. But nevertheless, God greatly worked and moved and the nation was greatly improved. Because you see the only way you can improve a nation is when the hearts of men and women are changed. And the only way that can be changed is by the power of God and the word of God. Getting a little bit ahead of myself. In the 1830s, two events happened, more than two, but two main ones. One was the rise of ritualism in the National Church, Oxford Movement. The Oxford movement was one of the most devious, dishonest, corrupting movements in the Anglican Church, which still, of course, is at work today. In fact, right up to date. Because one of those traitors to the Anglican Church, Newman, is about to be canonized. You see, saints are not made by popes saints are made by God when he converts a sinner they become a saint you know when the last Pope came they opened the tomb of Newman because they wanted to cut off bits of his fingers and that for relics Roman Catholicism is the biggest single occult system there is and of course they canonize after people have been praying to them and supposedly, miracles result. And if there's two or three miracles, then they're on the road to being canonized. He's been canonized. Six days after the canonization, Arch traitor of Welby will be preaching in celebration of this at a Roman Catholic church in London. In other words, he's eulogizing a sodomite A ritualist, he obviously has no problem with people praying to the dead, for the dead, and the fact that Newman was one of the traitors of the Anglican Church, who wished underhandedly to bring it back to the Church of Rome. The other thing in the 1830s was the advent of futurism. Now, what was the result of that? The ministers no longer preached against the harlot. They no longer warned of the danger of Roman Catholic dogma. Most evangelicals today are totally ignorant of what Rome teaches, as well as what she did in the not-too-distant past. They don't know. They are ignorant. And where there is ignorance, the devil has a field day. And therefore you have evangelical so-called more and more joining up with Rome. You see, well-being is a product of the Alpha Course. The Alpha Course doesn't have repentance toward God and faith in Jesus Christ in it. Then, in 1859, the revival in Ulster, but Darwin's origin of, on the origin of species came out of our friend we Speaking about that and the churches started to accept it. I remember some years ago listening to an American man Gary Parker who was saying he'd been converted, he'd been teaching evolution and gradually he came to see that creation was true. So they had a debate in the university he was at and uh, It was uh, converted scientists in the schools who were defending creation and the religious department was defending evolution. Let me say here and now, if you're a Christian and understand what's at stake, and you believe in theistic evolution, you're not a Christian. You can call me judgmental if you like. I'm used to that. (laughs) But you can't be. Because that's fundamental to the rest of the word of God. Amen. Then we had the Bible versions. Revised versions, first off. <clears throat> These all were leading to the undermining of the church, you see. And we know we're not going into Westcott and Hort. They acted dishonestly. They, they were not to do what they did. They completely changed the uh, manuscripts underlying the Bible, and they came out with the revised version, and of course there have been versions and versions ever since, removing especially references to the deity of Christ. Because, you see, Synaticus Vaticanus are Arian manuscripts. Arian, of course, Arius was the great denier of the deity of Christ in the early church. The result of that is this. If you have Bibles contradicting themselves... Why should I go by the scripture anymore? Sola scriptura. Now, people might not admit to that, but that's what's happened, in effect. Evangelicals have lost confidence in the word of God. I'm sure your pastor has experienced the same thing as we do. Oh, preaching open-air preaching doesn't work anymore. Stop shouting. And of course, love. And they always say it that way, love. <laughs> the result is, you have Bibles contradicting one another, omitting large portions of the Word of God. You have statements of faith something like this. We believe in the inspiration of Scripture as originally given. Say, what's wrong with that? ah because they don't believe in what we've got now has been inspired they say we can maybe get back to 90% of what was originally given at best But what does that do? It undermines the promise that God made repeatedly in his word that one jot and one tittle wouldn't pass from the law. Heaven and earth would pass away but his word would not pass away. He'd preserve his word. He'd he'd keep it pure and entire for all time. He hasn't kept kept his promise if these modern versions are true. So people have lost confidence in the word of God. Now, this church here is unique probably in Penn and High-Wickham in that has got the word of God outside it. It's very hard to find churches with the word of God outside it these days, isn't it? Shamed of the word of God. They'll do anything but preach the word of God. Preach it as it should be preached. They forget that the gospel is an offense to them that perish. But that's only if you preach the truth. If you go out and say God loves you, he's got a plan for your life. All oh, the rest of it. I mean, I've literally heard somebody say, oh, we're all right then. Is that the way Christ preached? No. Is that the way the apostles preached? No. Is that the way the reformers preached? No. The great preachers of the great awakening, is that the way they preached? No. They preached sin, righteousness, judgment, repentance toward God, faith in Jesus Christ, and then followed up, if you were not living the life, if Wesley got down into Chester, that church would be empty in five seconds. You see, they 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 made sure that those who professed faith in Christ were living the life. And the reason the nation is in the mess it's in is because the church is in the mess. And the church is in a mess because it doesn't believe the Bible anymore. It picks and it chooses. And the the, the unforgivable sin with many evangelicals is that you would bring people under conviction or you'd offend them. I had an argument with a Pentecostal man in Chester. He says, when people come away from you, they're under conviction. They're convicted and condemned. I said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Hopefully, in the end, they'll cry unto the Lord and be saved. He said, that's contrary to the word of God. I said, well, what's the work of the Holy Spirit? Convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Ah, but he doesn't condemn I said well who has it said he that believeth not is condemned already he walked away (laughs) if you're not offending people now we don't set out to offend people but preach the truth you'll offend them and if you're not offending them you're not preaching the truth the gospel is an offense what's the answer? do what the Bible says the Great Commission how did the New Testament church commence? Well, old cowardly Peter was no longer a coward because he was full of the Holy Ghost. Read what he preached. You won't find him saying God loves you in that. Never mentions it. Two things. He preached uncompromisingly. He preached in the power of the Holy Spirit. And things happened. What's missing today? Well, apart from most not preaching the word of God... The Holy is missing. He's grieved. He's withdrawn. You know, we can preach absolute orthodoxy. But if the Spirit of God is not moving, nothing will happen. Probably just hardened people in their sin. Reformation. Move with the Spirit of God. The Great Awakening speaks for itself. Things were in a terrible mess, as we know, I've already mentioned that. It wasn't as far down as today because, you see, today they've dared to put on the statute book anti-God legislation. But nevertheless, God delights in mercy. He's gracious, he's compassionate, he's a God of grace, and salvation is by grace. People say this nation doesn't deserve God to move. (laughs) Well, they don't understand the Bible, then do they? because none of us deserve anything from God but damnation. It's by grace we are saved, through faith, that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I wish I had another two hours. Anyway, I'm just going to finish. This should be our prayer. Isaiah 64. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens, that thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow down at thy presence, As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. That should be our prayer. That's the only hope, friends. That's the only remedy. The preaching of the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is no other remedy. Because only that can change the hearts of men and women. And if the hearts of men and women are not changed, then this nation will continue on its downward path to utter destruction if God does not intervene. Amen. Amen.